Today on Locked On Canadians, we have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about Kirby Doc. We're going to be doing a little bit of analysis, all the prospects we're excited about. It's part one of two episodes with a fantastic guest, and it's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 669. Oh, yeah, that's on me. <laughs> it's very nice. It's our sixth really nice episode of our career here. So I we've done this six game. times. This is beautiful. <laughs> You're off your game. <laughs> this isn't the first time I've screwed up the 69 intro either. It's happened several times, and you think I would have learned by now. We've been doing this for almost 700 shows. <laughs> I do all the odd episodes too, so it's always me going 69 and then waiting, and then Scott is like, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. We're your hosts. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Actor Stick, and Scott Matlove has on Eyes on the Prize joins us. But I want to introduce our guest real quick, Sebastian High, who uh, I discovered through a retweeted thread on Twitter about why the Kirby Doc signing is not something that Habs fans should be worried about or panic panicking about. Uh, the OHL scout or NOHL scout for Dauber Prospects, Sebastian High joins us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. So thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, for those of us, for, for those of you listening, we are recording this on Sunday morning on an extremely hot day in Montreal. We've had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're so, so thrilled that our guest could join us all the way from the other side of the pond. Um, and so why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, how long you've been a Habs fan, why you started doing scouting and analysis, because I really want to introduce people to your work and kind of how you approach the way that you work. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I grew up a Habs fan because I grew up in Montreal, so it's kind of a given at that point. <laughs> um, I wasn't born in Montreal, but moved there when I was three and a half, so very much a Montrealer. And uh, my family is really one of, of hockey fans, um, and I never really had too many friends that were also hockey fans, uh, but I was always a hockey fan, so I, I always watched the Habs play. And um, yeah, in terms of getting into scouting, I... Uh, mainly started during the pandemic when I had nothing to do and uh, the 2020 draft was coming up and I decided to start uh, researching the prospects because I had a bunch of free time and I love hockey and I started reading everything I could on all the prospects and the draft rolled around and I had a great time looking at like uh, who went where and what and what and whatnot and then for the 2021 draft uh, I actually started watching some players didn't wasn't able to get my hands on too many games in, in that year but it was it was more than just reading at that point it was also wa watching some games but then it was really for in the past year where I've gotten very much into scouting of of yes of course I'm, I'm reading everything out there because I want to hear other perspectives uh but my opinions on players are formed on what I see of them and 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 what I watch of them because I, I, I watched a lot of hockey in the last year um, on top of watching basically every Habs game, um, probably at least 70 of the 82. Uh, on top of that, just 
countless junior hockey games. Um, and and yes, yeah, so I, I was just scouting on my own uh, for most of the year. And then in March, I applied at Dauber Prospects uh, to be the the HAB scout. So if you're familiar with, with Dauber Prospects as a website, every NHL team has their own page uh, where all the prospects are listed with a rating of both their upside and then their NHL certainty. And I applied for that and I got it and I was so pumped because I was like, I can write updates on Habs prospects who I'm already very familiar with. And I get to also like, like rank them in terms of like, like how, how I perceive them in terms of upside and uh, like how certain they are to make the NHL. And that was kind of my in, in da- into Dauber. And then I, I picked up also the role of writing a monthly article on the WHL. And uh, then on my birthday, so in late May, I got a DM from uh, E2 Siltanen, who's the head scout at Dauber, uh, inviting me to, to join the team for the upcoming season. And uh, of course, I, I gladly took that on. And on top of just that, I also was able to, to contribute to uh, the final Dauber rankings for like the 2022 draft, which I thought was actually very, very generous of them considering I was like, I, I joined them like one week before they made their final rankings in the meeting. And I was expecting to just sit in the meeting and listen, but they wanted my input and I, I, I got Frank Nazer up to number four. So I, I got, I got my job done <laughs> at the job. At the job of me. Um, and Scott likes but... hearing that. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. Uh, he was high on my list as well. Assuming they weren't. He's my number Shane two. Wright. He's my number two. I love. I love. I love Frank Nazer. He, yeah. Um, but but yeah. So I, I th- that was kind of my my in into scouting was just uh, posting thing on on Twitter, right? Just being very active on Twitter, and uh, then I got involved with with Dauber. Uh, and the reason I actually got into Dauber was because uh, Hadi uh, got a. a DM me saying there's an opening at Dauber if you want to uh, get in here. So that was that was also great. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been a very very fun year. And honestly, it's super exciting. And I just want to like really quickly uh, ask you kind of how you kind of approach the video analysis because that's that's kind of, that's how we know you, right? Your thread came across my 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 um, Twitter account, I and then I read through it, and you're very very careful in sort of breaking things down video by video, frame by frame. Uh, so how did you get started doing that? Or, or I, in fact, we talked about how you got started. How about how do you approach that? I mean, it, it seems like to me, it seems like a mountain of work and it's it's pretty tricky. I myself could would not be able to handle video analysis threads. So tell us a little bit about that, please. Well, the video analysis threads, oh God, voice crack. Um, the threads are basically just um, kind of showing just my, my, my process and scouting. Uh, so they take a bit more time because I have to actually like like get the screen grabs and edit them together and whatever. But uh, it's really just how I would regularly scout a game, right? And so it's instead of just jotting down a note and writing it down, I'm I'm, I'm taking the actual clip itself. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm mainly looking uh, in terms of players. The things that I personally value the most in players are uh, things that that are a lot more difficult to teach, right? So for instance, skating is a great thing. I, I, you, want, you want good skaters, but skating is also an attribute that you can really develop quite extensively with a player. For instance, Nick Suzuki was not a great skater when, when he was drafted by Vegas. And 
he's a pretty solid skater at this point in his career. Like, like if you just keep working at it year after year, you can get a mediocre skater to become an above average skater in, at the NHL level. So it's less of a deal breaker for me. However, how you read the game, your sense of timing and spacing. And uh, if you have like the actual habit and ability to attack the slot, like that, that, that for me is a massive, massive thing. And one of the reasons I adore Frank Nazer as a prospect, because he incessantly attacks the slot without like just every single play, he attacks the slot and it constantly creates high danger chances. And in the end, hockey is a game of high danger opportunities, right? And uh, just tilting the ice in your team's favor. Um, just being involved in play, right? Like, like passiveness is something that I, I look at a lot because I think it's a very projectable element of if you have a player that's, that's very active in play, uh, that's something that can project to the NHL level and it can give players a, a higher floor of just, okay, even if it doesn't pan out with the skill and the, the, the intelligence and whatever, he can be a fourth liner at least, right? Uh, so those are some of the things I, I look at a lot. In terms of defensemen, um, I look at uh, a, a big thing for me is, is their ability in the breakout, right? Like in the modern NHL, like, okay, you can have a couple defensemen on your team that struggle with the breakout. But if you have six bench rocks that ice the puck every second uh, shift, that's a problem, right? And you need players that can progress the play. And like the Habs, for instance, at least pre-Martin Saint-Louis, were a team that where the defensemen were never involved in transition at all. Like, like just e even when it was a, a great skater like like Jeff Petrie, just so uninvolved in transition. And it really limits what you can do because at that point you have three forwards that have all the, the workload in transition. And if, if it, as a defenseman, you are able to, to not only just like contribute, but actually really create uh, it, from transition, that for me is a very important thing. But on the defensive side of, side of things, again, defensive transition, actually stopping zone entries, because in the end, you don't have to be amazing in in-zone de defense if the puck never gets into your zone. So it's also why I like Caden Gooley a lot, because that that man does not allow, allow controlled entries on his side of the ice. So uh, yeah, I think those are some of the things that I look for. Um, and in terms of the video analysis threads, again, it's, it's just the things that I, I would already look at uh, in terms of just regular scouting when I'm just doing it on my own. And uh, I think it was also just a thing that I hadn't seen before on Twitter, right? Like you see a lot of articles and stuff or, or, or videos on YouTube of, of like video analysis and they're awesome. Like uh, Will Scouch, for instance, who I know that you've had on the podcast. He's amazing. He's, he's such one an of intelligent our person. He's, he's, he's so good. He's so, <laughs> he's so, so good. Um, and, but I'd never seen a video analysis in just a Twitter thread format, because one thing I've learned is whenever I write an article and I post it on Twitter, I get like maybe 10 likes or something, maybe, maybe two retweets, but these, these like threads, when it's just straight up, just on Twitter in a thread, they get a lot more attention and, uh, which is obviously just great to see because I'm getting more of my, my work out there, but it's also just fun to see the amount of interaction and just discussions that are happening from these threads, uh, which is just very, very enjoyable. It's honestly, that that's one of the things that I find it's, it's a lot easier. You know, I've been talking about hockey for a decade, but when somebody breaks it down in that way, I think it's like you said, there's not a whole lot of that out there. 
but it's also easy for people to follow step by step, right? When you're when you're trying to read a whole wall of text and trying to visualize at the same time, it's a lot harder. So this kind of breaks it down with text and screen grabs and all of that, which I really love. And we are going to talk about Caden Gooley, but it's going to be at the end of next episode because we the way we've planned this out is today we're going to talk about Kirby Doc and Lane Hudson, and then in our next episode we're going to talk about Philip Masar. We're going to talk about Slavkovsky. Obviously, we can't not talk about him, uh, and that's exciting. And then we're going to talk about the future of the Habs defense. That's all coming up in next episode. But today. The next thing we're going to discuss is Kirby Doc because that is how I got, you know, I got I got introduced to your work. And also, I want Habs fans to feel a lot better about this trade. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I've been using as part of my daily life because I needed to take control of my health. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with all the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. And as you're listening to this on my birthday, aging is the most important part for me right now. Athletic Greens has all the things. And right now it's time for you to reclaim your health just like I did and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements or anything like that to look out for your health and to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was Kirby Doc because obviously now it's a month ago on the trade draft on the draft floor, Batman announces trades. Everybody thinks that the Habs have gone bold and traded up to get Shane Wright. Uh, instead, what they'd done was trade Romanov away and uh, traded for Kirby Doc in a three-way trade long. Anyway, everybody knows the details. Uh, and that was sort of, it was a couple weeks ago when I saw your thread come across my Twitter feed. Uh, and it made me feel a lot better about the Kirby Doc uh, trade. Uh, and uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit, sort of what were you looking for when you went into the analysis? And were you pleasantly surprised? Because I think a lot of things, that, what people forget is that not only is he just three years away from being a third overall pick, he also had injuries that kind of derailed the development, and he was also in a really bad system in Chicago. Uh, so, I, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about what you've discovered when you were kind of studying Kirby Doc and how it went. Yeah, well, I wasn't overly familiar with Doc before the trade. Um, of course, I'd, I'd watched him a few times, but I'd never like scouted him specifically. Uh, so, at the time of the trade, immediately I liked it um, because I. I was of the mind that uh, uh, Romanov's value was at an, was at an all-time high. Uh, the way I see, I think I think Alexander Romanov is going to be a maybe number four defenseman in the NHL, and to trade that for a thirteenth overall pick, in my view, was a really solid move because again, he hadn't signed his next deal yet. This is this is where he was very very movable. He's still very young, a very valued prospect, and I just I saw too many limitations in terms of his offensive involvement his skill level and his overall just uh, like high-end hockey iq that i thought 
maybe maybe a number four guy, uh, but anything beyond that in the lineup, I think would be would have been a too big of a role, at least in the next couple of years. Again, with great development, everything can change. But I like the move a lot to to move on from him and to get Kirby Duck, who again prior to the thread I was not overly familiar with, but he was a player that I knew was a great playmaker, had a great toolkit. Probably shouldn't have gone third overall in that draft, but still a high-end uh, prospect. And uh, again, it, it's the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Like this is not an organization where players thrive typically, unless you're like an Alex DeBrinket, but that's not an issue anymore now. So it's great. Um, but yeah, and then so when I started watching him, uh, my expectation was something more along the lines of like Yasperi Kotkaniemi. Uh, and I was like, cool, we got our Kakanyami back, right? A third overall pick just one year later, uh, limited production, uh, third line minutes, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but what I saw was a lot, was a lot more intriguing to me than Kakanyami. Uh, Kirby Doc is a tremendously intelligent player. Um, he has a t- terrific sense of space and timing and, uh, he, he just, he just knows things very very instinctively a little bit like Shane Wright in the, in that in that sense of course look I'd, I'd rather have Shane Wright than Kirby Doc that 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 doesn't need to be said but uh just a very very intelligent centerman who uh is also a terrific playmaker so his his like stand-up quality is his playmaking ability uh he uh is able to manipulate pass angles uh he adjusts his speed upon entering the offensive zone to create passing lanes and he can hit his targets so accurately and in terms of transition playmaking i think he's immediately the best on the habs uh like nick suzuki is a great passer but in transition i like him a little bit more as a shooter uh but that that that's just me uh but kirby doc really excels on uh, uh, passing and uh, doing it while he's moving and while in motion, which is also a telltale sign of a higher end playmaker that he doesn't need to be stationary and to hit his targets and to find his targets. And that makes me quite hopeful for him as a top six centerman. Of course, there's a lot of issues in this game. Uh, first and foremost, his defensive game is not very refined. Uh, again, he's very intelligent. So I think that he can get there eventually, right? Because he, 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 he scans very, very well. He knows where the opponents are in the defensive zone. Uh, he gets a stick in there quite often, but he, he he's just not a very refined defensive player in terms of actually consistently applying pressure. Uh, he can lose his man at times. Uh, but again, this is something that, that you see with most young players, and it just it takes time to develop these types of habits. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with that, but... Uh, in my thread, the, the big thing I pointed out with Kirby Doc in terms of what he needs to improve and what I think the Habs are already working on is specifically the depth in his in his skating, in his stride, so his, his knee bend, which is a very specific thing to, to point out, but it, it really does affect so many aspects of his game. So first of all, his edge work as a skater is terrific, but his actual speed is a bit limited because he just doesn't get the depth that he needs in his stride. And uh, it makes the strides a bit, a bit shorter, a bit more shallow. And uh, again, especially as a guy who's what six foot three, you need to use that power that you have with that size to propel yourself forward. As a smaller player, you can get away with some of those deficiencies in your stride mechanics while still achieving a high speed. But Kirby Doc does not have that advantage because of his size. And uh, beyond that, 
he's big. He, he's, he can play physically. He's laid some big hits. But because he's fairly upright in his stance, smaller opponents just get underneath him and they can just leverage him, right? Just simple physics, right? Just getting underneath and out-leveraging your opponent. And even though he's stronger than them, they win the puck battles because he just doesn't get low often enough because, again, his stride is fairly upright. And also with his shooting mechanics, for instance, again, the wrist injury plays a big role here. That has to be said. But uh, it's also, again, if you get lower when you're shooting, you can get more power behind it. And he doesn't do that, right? So I think if the Habs can really, really focus in on the depth of his stride, I think it's going to be a bit of a domino effect in this game. And you're going to see a lot of things change. Another big thing is also just his ability to play inside pressure, which also has a bit to do with that physical leveraging that I was mentioning. And uh, he needs to he needs to use learn how to consistently use his 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 size advantage because it is an advantage in the NHL. Like I'm, I I love smaller players. We'll get to Lane Hudson next, and I adore that that, that kid. But if you're six foot three, you do have an advantage in the NHL game, and Kirby Doc needs to learn how to leverage that. I, and I love that I, you mentioned Lane, Lane Hudson because I didn't plan it that way. It's just we put Lane Hudson in this episode along with Kirby Duck. But the one thing that you hit on that was so important to me is it's something that we talk about a lot on the show. Like size for size's sake does not work in today's NHL. That is like 2001 NHL. Exactly. Right now, it's what you do with the size. And I'm sorry, Scott, I cut you off. My thought is with everything that Sebastian just said here is that he needs skating refinement and some shot refinement and just, you know, using his body the Canadians have invested so much this offseason in player development. Adam Nicholas, even bringing in Marie-Philippe Poulin for the prospects. Those two are massive. They can do, they can get him to, it's not going to be, you know, an instant change. And this will apply to Slavkovsky, what we're going to talk about tomorrow a little bit is the tools are there. It's just stop using a wrench when you need, you know, something else for this situation and refine what they're doing. And it feels like, they're, they're betting on being able to unlock that next level of potential with these player development pieces. And Doc's, what, 21 years old? That feels like a pretty safe bet. Fresh start, new team, all this. I don't know what Chicago invested in player development, to be honest, so I can't really you know slander them unfairly for that. But we know Montreal is going for this. This feels like a very promising step forward for someone who has all the tools they're likely looking for. Yeah, they had to lose Kotkaniemi, but like you said, they got Kirby Doc a year later, and he might be more what they are looking for in this system right now. And we're going to turn our attention to a small player now, since we already brought him up, uh, Short King Lane Hudson. And in just one moment, we are going to talk about all things Lane. But first, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. Uh, if you haven't tried the Built Puffs, you're really missing out. What is Built Bar? It is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is delicious. And the puffs kind of, they, 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 they have this marshmallowy filling and they're covered in amazing real chocolate. They've got like a chocolate chip cookie dough flavor they've you know they've got all kinds of they had a churro flavor at one point all you got to do is check out built.com to find out what their latest flavors are i love built bar i have them on the go as a breakfast you know scott takes them hiking sometimes at 3 p.m i need to pick me up i'm losing my energy during my day job i'll just have a built bar because it is low in sugar high in protein and always 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 delicious so if you want to check out built bar try one of those amazing flavors go to built.com and enter locked 15 for 15 percent off your order that is built.com and the promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. 
And now it is the point in the show where we talk about my people, the short people, <laughs> and Lane Hudson. If you've listened to the show at all, you'll know that we are we were both really excited with that pick. And uh, as a lot of our, our our listeners pointing out pointed out, getting him where the Canadians did is a steal, right? You just refer to some of the advantages that smaller players have, and I feel like Lane Hudson kind of knows and takes advantage of the advantages like in today's nhl we are still talking about larger players we did do a little bit of a deep dive on him a little bit earlier and one of the uh aspects of his game uh that our friend paul zuck talked to talked about was you know he kind of needs to play a lot more minutes against those larger players that he's going to be facing in the nhl to kind of develop more of those instincts uh, but i'm curious because you just just posted your lane hudson analysis thread the day before we recorded this it was brand new i was hoping it would come out before we started so that i could take a look at it uh before we started recording um and and you know what i think we're, we're all in on this guy we want to temper our expectations but i just at this point in time like he's just been drafted he hasn't even started in the ncaa yet what are the things that we can get excited about about Lane Hudson as a prospect? A lot. Um, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I, I had this guy ranked 11th overall, and I watched a lot of Lane Hudson tape to be sure of that ranking. Um, like, my, my rankings have had quite a few hot takes. Like, I had Brad Lambert at three, Frank Nazer at two. I had Noah Ustlin at, like, seven, Denton Matejcik at eight, right? Jagger Furkus was at 13. That, that kid's awesome, too. Um, but I had Lane Hudson ahead, like one spot ahead of Matthew Savoy, and that I I don't I haven't seen a single ranking from anyone that's had Hudson in the top fifteen. The highest I think I've seen is like Scott Wheeler that I think had him at like seventeen eighteen. Um, so yeah, I, I I like him a lot. Uh, Lane Hudson, in my view, was the most dynamic defenseman in the entire draft class. Um, he has some 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 competition with Matejchuk and Mintyukov there, but Lane Hudson, he with the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, he is so shifty. He has a great sense of the of pressure. Like I know I was, I was saying, like he senses like, like sensing pressure and timing and spacing. I was saying that with Doc. Um, Lane Hudson is elite at that. Like he he has Lane Hudson for me is a top three and top like most intelligent player in the entire draft class he's so intelligent and he needs to be because he's he's not just small like this kid is tiny he's 148 pounds right like, like he is small with like i don't know if i want to go all like capitals or all lowercase there depending on, on what you want there but um <laughs> he he he's a he's a, he's a small guy and uh as I was saying, I, I love small players. I think that, that they're highly undervalued in the NHL, and his size is the only reason he was available for the Habs at 62 overall. Uh, but there are extra hurdles with that. And uh, with smaller players, uh, what one of the some of the main things I look for are how do you play under physical pressure? Because if you crumble under physical pressure as an undersized player at, in junior hockey, you're going to have a really tough time adapting to professional or even like uh, NCAA hockey, right? Like it's going to be rough. And Lane Hudson doesn't just do okay under physical pressure. He thrives under it because what he loves to do is draw in pressure. And uh, because he has the the foresight, the scanning and like the, the shiftiness in the hands to get around that pressure with incredible ease. Uh, he loves his little shoulder fake. He does it 
basically like 20 times a game is this shoulder fake. And it looks so simple. And like, again, it's like a 50-50 of what direction he goes in, but it works like 90% of the time uh, because he reads his opponent and whatever direction opponent goes in, he goes the opposite way. It's, it's just like in, in soccer or football and how a goalie would, would or how, how, a, how a penalty uh, kick in how a player would read the goaltender, right? Like Robert Lewandowski, for instance, he always reads where the goaltender goes and then he decides where he shoots afterwards. And Lane Hudson does the exact same thing uh, when he's one-on-one uh, against a four-checker. And he's very, very good at it. And I think that it's a very projectable element. Even when players try to play the body, he's so shifty. He kind of he can bounce off it and get around and keep possession. And he just, he bolts up the ice. Uh, and, and Lane Hudson like, is a great passer. He has great hands. He, he's really a multi-threat player uh, with the puck, right? Like he's, he's not just... He's not, he's not very predictable at all. And he can't be with his size again, right? Uh, and he, he's so much fun. Again, there are, there are a lot of hurdles. And ranking him at 11 was, like, it's really me putting my, my, my like, I'm sticking my neck, my neck out for him because it is, it is riskier, right? Like, like, if I wanted to be safe, I would put him at, like, 20 or something. But I believe in his, in his high-end skill set and paired with his high-end hockey mind so much uh, that I really do believe that he he's going to hit. Uh, and again, with the Habs development system, as you were saying, Adam Nicholas, I think, was a terrific hire. Marie-Philippe Poulain, after she was hired, I, I had a massive stupid grin on my face for the next like two hours. I'm just so excited to to have her in this, in the, this organization. And yeah, I think, I think Lane Hudson is going to be a, an extremely fun player. Uh, there is, a, look, his floor is like a Sammy Niku type of player, where... He, he puts up crazy numbers in the AHL, but just doesn't quite click in the NHL. Um, but if he hits, like this is a Quinn Hughes type of player. And if the Habs get that at 62 overall, when he put up the numbers he, he did with the US NTDP and just looked as dynamic as he did in his draft year, that, that's going to be a home run for the Habs. And uh, Hudson is a player that excites me so much. Um, I, I also live streamed the draft. Uh, so I have a clip of my reaction to the, to, to the Hudson pick, uh, and I was I was very excited, uh, to say the least. He was a player that when we were doing our pre-draft episodes and we had on, you know, Tony Ferrari scouting, we, we had a lot of uh, scouting uh, writers and, and, and content creators, and, and a lot of them were really high on Lane Hudson. And we were sort of getting really, really excited, and we thought, you know, he'd go sort of between the 33rd pick and wherever the Habs picked next. And I was getting really nervous when he was available to the Habs at that point. I was just like, this is, this is, this is highway robbery. And again, we can't, we have to temper our expectations. We're really, really excited. But I think consistently everyone we've spoken to has had a similar viewpoint to whereas he is one of the most skilled players in this draft. He might be one of the most intelligent defensemen in this draft. And it's just his size that has been preventing him from sort of from going higher and for, from more teams calling for him. And if the Canadians can continue to market, like to exploit market inefficiencies like that, if anyone's listened to this podcast before, you know, I say that all the time. I mean it uh, very, very strongly in terms of Lane Hudson. And now we are going to wrap up this episode because we still have to talk about Slavkovsky. We have to talk about Mayshar and uh, the Habs defense future. 
And all that's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But first, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube, or both if you like, uh, in order to make sure you get our next episode with Sebastian. Sebastian, hi, because I'm I, I'm just so excited about the way this episode went. I can't wait to hear about all these other players. Uh, in the meantime, you can find him on Twitter at hi underscore Sebastian, Sebastian with an A, um, S-E-B-A-S-T-I-E-A-N. Uh, because I know we're in Quebec, so a lot of them are Sebastien. It's Sebastien. Uh, and you can find his work at Dauber Prospects, and you can listen to more of his analysis on our very, very next episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you on Wednesday.